So, you know, when it comes to patience, that's something uh, that, I, that I really struggle with. You guys struggle with it at all? Yeah. Patience, it, it's not easy. And, uh, you know, you don't want to ask, pray to, for God to give you patience because then you know you're going to be in a lot of trouble, right? You don't pray for stuff like that. You, you know, you, you pray to move to Alaska so you wind up in Hawaii, right? And, and so, you know, in America, we are, we're a very linear culture. We, are, we have one thing after another after another, and we've kind of strung them together like on a string of pearls. The, this, this concept of time, this concept of, of how things are going to get done. It, it's going to be one after another, and you've got to hurry up and get things done. In, in Europe, time is, is a whole different thing. In, in Europe, you know, they, they take naps in the middle of the afternoon. In America, we get our third cup of double espresso in the afternoon so we could finish, right? But in, in Europe, I mean, we were, we were in Spain in a place called Malaga, Spain, right off the coast. And, and we were like touring around. We were doing our American thing and pushing through and getting to every site that we could. And, and then all of a sudden, everybody disappeared. And we wondered where they went. And th- they all went and took a nap. I mean, who does that? <laughs> well, it's a great thing. It's a whole different way of looking at, at time. You know, they take naps, they have long meals, uh, they take incredibly long vacations. They have much more vacation time in Europe and most countries than, than we do here in the U.S. And uh, it, it's, it's a whole different way of looking at time. Well, God looks at time differently too. You know, we have, we have the American way, we have the European way, and then we have God's way. And uh, trusting God's timing is something that if we can grab a hold of and we can run with, it's going to really help us in our life. Because guess, in the end, whose timing is going to win out, right? It's going to be God's. And, and so if we can understand how he thinks about time and, and what his passion is related to us and time, uh, we're going to have it a lot easier. How many of you kind of struggle with that? It's like, God, you know, why hasn't this happened yet? And fill in the blank, right? Have you had that? Yeah, and so, so we want to understand what is God's timing and, and how can we trust him in it. How are you guys doing on your marshmallows? Yeah? I was going to go out and, and, and see if there's any, any young people that are really having trouble with their marshmallows. Anybody? Who ate their marshmallow? You ate your marshmallow? Okay. We have to understand this. So what's the deal with that? Why did you eat your marshmallow? It's good, yeah, but I, I said don't eat it. You know, there, there, there might have been a second marshmallow right there behind it. I got more at home. Oh, she has more at home. <laughs> Didn't think about that. Jeff Denblecker, you ate your marshmallow? <laughs> your kids are pointing at you. Why did you eat your marshmallow, Jeff? What? I ate half of it before you told us not to. Oh, see? That's how we are, right? That's how we are. Okay. So now it's just not the kids, right? It's, as adults, we are anxious and, and, and so much want the promises of God, the blessings of God, but we don't necessarily know how to wait for it, right? All right, so we're, we're going to look at a scripture today, uh, 2 Peter 3, 1 through 10. And in this scripture, Peter is trying to help his disciples uh, uh, really to be able to wait 
to hold on to their marshmallow, know that the promise is there, but be able to trust God in his timing. He's trying to encourage them with that. You know, they, Christ had already come. He, he's already ascended. And during that time frame, there was a real pent-up excitement uh, to be able to see when is Christ coming back. There was a, a real wonderment, like, is he coming back today? Now, it's been 2,000 years, and, and so his timing is a little different than that, right? But back then, they were wondering, is he coming back soon? And, and, and they were hoping for that, but there was a lot of people that were naysayers. And, and so Peter really wanted to be able to speak into their lives and talk to them about God's timing, which is what we're going to look at today. He wanted to protect his disciples from really being disappointed unnecessarily because they did not understand the timing uh, and the promises of God. To be able to understand God's ways. So let's look at this, uh, the first part of the scripture. This is verses 1 and 2 of 2 Peter 3. You can turn to it or you can look at it on the screen. There it is. It says, Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by the Lord and Savior through your, uh, your apostles. So the purpose of, of the letters, but in particular, the, this purpose is to remind us, to remind us uh, about holy, uh, wholesome thinking, to refresh our memory. We need to remember that God is faithful, right? How many of you walk through the week and things don't go your way and, you, and it's very easy to forget the faithfulness of God, but truly he is faithful. And so Peter is encouraging them to refresh their memory, remember the faithfulness of God. And he, he also was trying to help them uh, to recognize that there are false teachers and there are false teachings and false philosophies that are in this world that we face too as Christians 2,000 years later so that they can hold up under pressure. You guys have any pressure? The holiday season's like the most pressurized season, right? We, we need to hold up under pressure. One way that we can do it is to understand his promises and to understand the timing of his promises so that we can trust him in it. And in, in, this, in this section, he, uh, Peter is talking about uh, two teachings. One is of the prophets, and that is that Christ is coming. You know, the prophets throughout all of the Old Testament are speaking uh, about the coming of Christ, the first coming of Christ. He's going to come, and he, he's going to forgive uh, people of their sins. He's going to be the Lamb of God. And it, it's spoken of even from, from the book of Genesis all the way to the end of the Old Testament. It's spoken of about God's goodness and God's promises. So we want to understand that it is the prophets that, that we need to remember. And, and that will help us to be able to trust him. And it's also the commands of Jesus to live a life of love that we need to remember. So those two things, if we can remember those two things uh, and refresh our memory with it, it's going to make a big difference. How does this fit our context? Well, we live in a society that is a secular society. A secular society is a society that says basically God is not relevant or God doesn't exist. And the only thing that does exist is the things that we could touch and feel and see and hear and taste. 
when God is invisible. And so because we can't prove him uh, according to them, uh, then, then we want to live in a secular uh, state uh, of kind of putting God over here, whether he's uh, whether you're agnostic or atheist or indifferent, whatever, he's over here, but let's just deal with you know, these things that we can touch, feel, taste, and hear. We live in a secular society. We live in a society that, that is, is based on uh, a God, unfortunately, that, that is called science. Science has kind of set us up to think a certain way. I remember uh, in, in high school uh, how, for me, science was setting me up to think and believe in the world system in a certain way, a world system that was extremely old and everything happened line upon line, year upon year, and these incremental little changes happened through the God of nature, and uh, that is the way the world works. And that is uh, a, a way of thinking that really does uh, damage to the Christian soul because it's not true. But because we hear it over and over and over again, it is very hard to hold on to the truths and the promises of God. And that is what Peter is trying to encourage his disciples with as well. Some of the same lies that Peter's first century church faced are lies that we face today. You'll see them in just a minute. Sometimes what we see seems more real than what we don't see. But what does the Bible say? The Bible says that what is unseen is eternal. But what is seen is temporal, temporary. Those things are going to get out of here. Those things are going to be destroyed uh, at the second coming of Christ. But the eternal things, the things we can't see, are things that are going to last forever. And, and so there's a, a real conflict of philosophies, world philosophies, and we want to face these because as Christians, we want to live in the truth. You guys want to live in the truth? We want to live in the truth. Truth sets us free, free to enjoy the blessings and the promises of God. So can you relate to some of these same arguments? I, th- I think that we can, right? So what is the argument of scoffers? These, these scoffers that scoff. I just love the way Peter puts that. Let's, let's read it. It says, Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. And they will say, Where is this coming, he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. These are the last days. It's the same last days that Peter's talking about. After Christ rose and ascended to, Christ, uh, to, to God the Father, we are now in the last days. It's been happening for 2,000 years. And, and so in the last days, scoffers will come and, and they will throw thoughts and ideas at us that, that can harm us if we receive them as truth. They're not true, and so we don't want to receive them as truth. These are the last days. What did these false teachers or scoffers that scoffed said? First of all, they questioned the promiser. They said, said, where is this coming he promised? He promised. He promised that he was going to return. Where is it? And they questioned the character, the veracity of the one who promised. He said he'd come. He isn't here. Where is he? 
right? You ever have that question in your mind? Like God said, he promised me this, where is it? And it immediately speaks to the character and the nature of God himself. It can attack that if we look at it, look at that argument and receive that argument. When you understand his timing, you don't have to receive that argument. We'll look at that in just a minute. So the first is they, they question the promiser. Where is this coming he promised? And then they asked, everything goes on, or they stated, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. They, they put forth a philosophy that is an incorrect philosophy. They said, hey, just like in evolution, nothing extreme has happened. It's just one thing after another after another has led us to where we are today. And when you have this homogeneous way of looking at time, it does damage to the promises of God and to our hope in God himself. Nothing changes and will never change. How long have we waited for Christ to come? It's been 2,000 years. You know, if we look at the history, the, the first promise of Christ was in the book of Genesis. We're talking thousands of years before Christ came. And those promises have came and they've come and they've come throughout the prophets, throughout the Torah, the, the five books of Moses. These, these promises have come. And then there was silence for 400 years. Think about it. How old is our country? Like 200-ish, 50-ish or something like that? Does anybody know exactly? No? Okay. So it's 250, I just say. <laughs> it's, and, and our country is like 250 years old. And, but, but God was silent for 400 years. You think that tested the, the patience of the people that followed God? It's like, where are you, God? Why aren't you speaking to us right now? Just like you might be your patience might be tested right now with that marshmallow in front of you, kids, right? You're wondering, when do I get to eat this marshmallow? He said, don't eat it. Why? Well, maybe, I, maybe I can eat it and sneak it and borrow my dad's marshmallow and use that, right? Don't do that, kids. Where are you, God? Where are you, God? How preposterous to think that something extraordinary was going to blast in on the scene as it did in the holiday that we just celebrated Christmas. Suddenly, suddenly, out of nowhere, after 400 years of silence, 400 years, the Son of God is born. God has an interesting way of looking at timing, don't you think? I do too. What's the testimony of history, the testimony of history. Verses five through seven, they deliberately forget, these scoffers do, that long ago by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. And by these waters also the world at that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire being kept for the day of judgment and destruction. What do we want to look at here? They deliberately forget. This is a malicious 
communication that is being sent throughout the ages. That God doesn't exist. That God's timing is not a relevant thing. That, that there is some secular way of looking at history and time. It is a malicious thing. Not, not necessarily uh, on the part of an individual that's maybe teaching it. But those that developed these ideas. I'm not going to go into detail right now. But those that developed some of these scientific ideas uh, about evolution, about time, about uh, trying to prove that there is no God, did it with a purpose in mind. It was not by accident, but they had a purpose. They needed to prove that there was no God. There was a reason for it. They deliberately forgot. What did they forget? That by God's word... An explosive event happened that was creation. Creation happened. And it it didn't happen over a short period, a long period of time where evolution controlled this. No, it happened by the word of God spoken and it was created. It blasted in to history and history began because of what God did that he spoke. And then it was by that same word, by that same word, that we can trust him that he will come again and we will be with him forever. The power of God's word can interrupt any sequence of events in time and space. And we have no idea when that will take place. But all we need to know is God can do it. Do you guys agree? God can speak and it can happen. It will happen. It will happen. And so we can trust him. And we can trust him with our lives as well. Amen? Amen. What's the Lord's timing in this? I love this part. This is, this is what this all is kind of building up to here in Peter's writing. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. How many of you are happy about that? <laughs> The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will be like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Don't forget, when it comes to time, God is outside of it. He created it. He he existed before anything physical existed. And we need physical existence for time to exist. God is spirit. And so he is Lord over time. He is eternal. You know, I I love this comparison of uh, a day being like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. Did you ever calculate that out? It's pretty easy. It's 365,000 to one. That's for him. And you know, this is just kind of, you know, an example for us to get. But, But for God, because he doesn't exist in time, one day is just as normal and as, and, and as short or as long as 365,000 days. He has, he has no constraint in time. And so when he looks at time, when he looks at our lives, here we are mortals, here we are, we, we exist in time. When he looks at us, 
He doesn't have to look at us in the context of time. That's a good thing. You'll see it as we read. And this is the the central point of things, is that it, it says that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. The Lord has promises for us. Isn't that right? How many of you can think of right now one promise that, that, that you have received from the Lord for your life? Raise your hand. Yeah. God has so many promises for us. They, the word says that, the Bible says that they are yes and amen in Christ. They are yes and yes. There is no no. The promises of God are yes for us. Yes for us. That's what it says in, in, in 2 Corinthians 1.20. For no, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So let it be. Amen. So let it be. The promises of God are so let it be for you and me. So let it be. Where are they coming? Where is that amen coming from? It's coming from God himself. So let it be. The blessings of God, the promises of God in our lives. And then this is it. It says and, and I've been thinking about this for months because, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a guy who, uh, God has given me a lot of promises. I know he's given you a lot of promises. And, and, you know, I'm getting close to 60. I have a year and a few months before I'm 60. And I'm saying, God, what's up? What's up? Where's all these promises? You know, I, I, I literally see about one third of what he's promised me fulfilled in my life. You know, that's pretty good. I'm, I'm blessed. I'm so blessed by what God has shown me. But I also look at these two-thirds, these things that God has said to me and spoken to me. And I say, God, when, when? I know you think this too. Instead. So it, it says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. We want to have a little talk now about slowness and patience. There's a a real difference here. Slowness has to do with, uh, you know, God like being careless. It's like, whoops, I forgot. That's right. I forgot. I gave you that promise. Man, when am I going to get it together? I'll do that. I'll do that. I'm really busy right now, but I'll do it next week for you. All right. I'll do it next month, next year. Don't worry, I'll get to it. That's slowness. It's like, well, I'm busy. You know, I got to run this whole world. I'll get to you. Don't worry. I promise. You ever think that about God? It's like, did you forget? Did you forget the promises that you've, you've given me, Lord? Did you forget the promises that you wrote in the word of God, the Bible? Did you forget them? Because I need them. I need the promises of God in my life. Yes? And then there's patience. So, so God is not slow, as some understand slowness. He's patient with us. What a, what a great transition. He's not slow. He's not forgetful. He's not careless with us. He's patient with us. Patience speaks about determination speaks about being careful, taking time to do things right 
in the best time. The best time for whom? For you, for me. That's what he cares about. You know, as a parent, I, I oftentimes, uh, especially when the kids were younger, now they're older, they, they seem to parent me. That's not a good thing. But, you know, when they were younger, I'd, I'd be thinking about, like, is this a good time to bring this into their life or, or to, uh, you know, to talk about this? You ever do that with your kids? My biggest uh, question was, is it a good time to give my son an Xbox? <laughs> That was interesting. So, you know, you kind of wonder about that. But God, he's patient with us. Patience is concern. Patience is care. He's watching. He's thinking about you and his promises for you. And he's thinking now or not now. Why? Because he's looking out for your well-being and for my well-being. It's the care of a parent, the care of this heavenly parent for us, looking for that timing, that right time to bless us with his promise. God's apparent delay, a lot of times, is not his inability to perform or his indifference. It's prompted by his grace. It's prompted by his love for us. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And because of that, his timing is set on this incredible clock of grace that moves forward and moves forward in the right time for you. His attentiveness is on you. If you think because you've not received a promise of God, a hope that you have in your life, and you think God is not being, he is being inattentive to you, know this, his attention is fully on you. He is fully on you and your well-being, your future and your present. And then, of course, sometimes yeah, Peter's talking about, hey, this can come like a thief in the night. You know, what is he saying? He said it could blast on the scene just like that. Just, just like when Christ was born. You know, just like when the flood happened. It just happened like that. Well, it didn't happen. The promise came for that flood. And there was a few years in between that, that Noah was thinking, where's your promise, God? Where's your promise? It's a promise of judgment. Where is it? And can you imagine how long he was building that? Just kind of wondering, what am I doing? Everybody in society thinks I'm insane building a boat when on land. They had never even seen rain before. And bam, right there like a thief in the night. It just showed up. The promises of God are like that for you and for me. They can come as a thief in the night. A thief in the night. (coughs) Sometimes there's a holy gap between the promises of God and the timing of God. As Americans, we don't get this because we think if we just pay enough, if we just work hard enough, if we just do enough, we'll get what we need right now. But God cares too much for us 
to let that happen. And so there's a gap between his promise for us and his timing for us, for our sake. For our sake. How are you guys doing with your marshmallows? Kids? Good. You doing good? Yeah. Anybody else eat their marshmallow in between the last time I checked? Ooh, you guys are good. All right. Good. American Fork, I can't see you, so I'm afraid that you've probably all eaten your marshmallows. <laughs> are we there yet? This whole sermon is called, Are We There Yet? Trusting God's Timing. Are we there yet? You know, that, that was always the thing that, that, that I asked my parents when we'd go on road trips, right? Are we there yet? I remember going from Long Island, where I lived, to New York City. I was so excited. I'd see my grandparents. We'd go do something fun, maybe go to Coney Island. If you guys don't know what that is, it's a, probably one of the original boardwalk amusement parks. Very cool place. Loved going there. And I'd always, I'd always ask, are we there yet? It just seemed like it was taking forever. But eventually we got there. Are we there yet? There were people in, in, in the Bible that, that had that way of thinking, kind of our way of thinking. Uh, it, it's not helpful. It's not helpful. Saul had this way of thinking. You know, he, he, he was the king of Israel and he, he needed to fight, uh, fight the Philistines. And in order to fight the Philistines, there needed to be a sacrifice that Samuel made, the prophet. He made the sacrifice so that, that the battle would be blessed. Samuel wasn't coming. He was late. How many of you feel sometimes that God's late in meeting your needs? Samuel thought, I mean, God, uh, Saul thought Samuel was late. And, and so he, you know, he thought, well, I'm the king and all the all the soldiers, they're waiting. And a matter of fact, some of them are leaving. They're a little mad that, that we're so disorganized and, and we're not going to fight this battle. So maybe, maybe Samuel's not here. Maybe, maybe I should offer the sacrifice. And so he did. And so he suffered the consequences of not knowing God's timing, not trusting God's timing. And God was not happy with him at all. Abraham had trouble with God's timing. Although he's listed as one of the great men of faith, he had trouble with God's timing. And decided to have the, the, uh, make the child of promise happen on his own. Don't do that. That's a big problem. You, you, you have, a, you have a, a child of promise becomes a, a child of cursing and a child of pain because of that. Because he couldn't wait he, he thought, wait a minute, it's been over a decade since you promised, and, and, you, and I'm, I'm, I'm so stinking old. There's no way I can have a kid. My wife can never have a kid at this age. We're just going to try it. We're just going to f- try and figure out the answer to this promise and do it. I don't know about your timing, God. And he suffered the consequences and pain for that as well. How do we trust God's timing? We're going to go to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 says this. This is a, a good chapter about God's timing. Hebrews 11:1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Those words are pretty important. It doesn't say, now, now faith is the actual item in your hand and you can look at it and say, God is faithful. That's not what it's saying. 
It's saying that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So faith is standing in that gap, that gap between God's promise and his timing. And we could say, God, I know you. I know that you're faithful. And I am going to stand in this gap and wait as David did. David said in Psalm 27, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. He's someone who learned how to wait in that gap that we need to do. So, so important. And then Hebrews eleven thirty nine 39 through 40, the end of this chapter, it says that all these people, who are we talking about? People of faith that are being commended for their faith. Uh, Noah, Abraham, Moses, so many people that, that were commended for their faith in this chapter, this Hall of Faith chapter. It says they were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with, with us would they be made perfect. This is pretty interesting scripture. Because all these people were given a promise. The timing of God is all the way over here in history. The end of history. You and I are a part, according to the scripture, of, of the answer to this promise of Abraham, the one that God said that, that I am going to bless all nations through you, through your child. We're part of that answer. We're part of the answer of that promise. And so can we trust God with this great gap in between us, between his promise and his timing? Three ways that we can do that, and then we're going to close. Maybe we can have the worship team come up. First is we want to look forward. Three times in this, in this uh, chapter, in Second in Peter, the Greek word postakeo, Looking forward appears. Look forward. Look forward. With great expectation. One way for you to exist in this great gap is to have great expectation for what God has promised you. Don't let the expectation be diminished because of the time that it's taking. Have great expectation. That's what Peter said to his disciples as they were waiting for Christ and struggling under persecution and the lies of, of this world that they faced, that we face too. Have great expectation. I expect that God and I are going to see each other face to face someday. It's going to be this amazing thing and the scales are going to fall off my eyes and I'm going to see him and I am going to be changed by him. That's what the word of God says. That's what's going to happen. Is it going to happen for you? I hope so. If you know Christ, it's going to happen for you. Expect it. Have great expectation for the promises of God. Don't let them diminish because of time, because of the lies of this world regarding uh, God's faithfulness. God is faithful. He who testifies 
to these things says. This is the end of the end of the end of the Bible in, in Revelation. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. That's our great expectation. Yes. Oh, Lord, we expect you. We expect your promises to be fulfilled in our lives. Next is long for him. 2 Timothy 4.8 says, Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Long for his appearing. Allow your heart to cry out and be attached to these great promises that God has given. And you will not be disappointed. You will not be disappointed because our God is the God of gods, the King of kings, the one who who rules time, created time, thought of the idea of time. He is our God and he will meet us in his promises. Long for him. Then the last one is do what the witnesses did in Hebrews. Right after that that point of of, uh, the promise happens through us through all of us together in the church. Even though they didn't get everything in their lifetime, they're getting everything in time. Yes? And in Hebrews 12, 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Makes me think of Forrest Gump. Run, Forrest, run! And as he did that, his braces fell off his legs and he was able to run. You guys remember that movie? Run! We should run. We should run. Cast off everything that's in the way and embrace our God and his promises for us. Stand in the gap between God's promises and his timing. Could you stand with me? This is the end of 2018. And you might have thought, gee, I I wish more happened or less happened or whatever. I wish the promises of God happened. All my hopes and dreams, I wish they had happened. Yes? We're at the end of 2018. We're moving into 2019. I encourage you to take a stance, a biblical stance of trusting him in his timing. He he is not slow with the promises that he has given you. He is patient because his incredible, incredible love for you. Lord, right now we just come before you. We ask that you would meet us right where we're at. You know each person here. You know their hopes You know the promises that you have for them that are amen because of the cross, because of the resurrection, because of the promise of your coming. They are yes and amen. They are yes and yes. And so we pray, God, that you would encourage each one of us today to be able to walk in this understanding of trusting you. How many of you want to trust God in faith right now? for the things that he's promised you by saying that you will stand in the gap between these promises and his timing. You will trust his timing. His timing is good. It's for each one of us. Lord, we trust you with that. Thank you, Lord.
And I just want to give opportunity if there's anyone here who, who doesn't have this hope of the future because you don't necessarily know Jesus Christ yet. You, you might know of him, but you've not invited him to be the promiser of your life, the fulfiller of your life, the forgiver of your sins. He wants to do that. He loves you. He died on the cross to make that very thing possible. And if you, if you want to ask Jesus to forgive your sins and to lead you in your life moving forward, I just want you to raise your hand and kind of make contact with me just so that I know that you're here. Amen. I see that hand. Any other hands? Anybody else? Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Can we just pray with those that raise their hands? Let's make this a prayer of affirmation. For those that raise their hands, this might be the first time they've asked Jesus to be their Savior. For us, we're affirming it and walking with these these people as well. Just repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, promiser of my life, I come to you and I ask that because of your great promise of forgiveness, because of what you did on the cross, I receive you as the forgiver of my sins and the leader of my life. I will follow you today and time in the future and for all time as you love me and bless me with your promises. I choose also to bless you and to bless others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.